Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess will be with me in the second, third, and fourth segment. I'm here to tell you that I am too blessed to be stressed, and I'm too anointed to be disappointed. Among all the scandals in the church, I remember one thing, everybody, who I worship, Jesus Christ. Not the pope, not the bishops, not the priest. We're all human, and we got to remember to keep our eyes on the prize, which is Jesus Christ. Today, I want to talk about the transparency and the mystery of the venerable Fulton J. Sheen. They postponed his beatification three years ago tomorrow. So I want to just point something out. It ties into what we talked about with Father Frank Pavone. Also, we're going to cover what a canon lawyer has to say about the dismissal from the priesthood of Father Frank Pavone. Also, at the end, we're going to cover the Advent Lent and the two purple seasons and penance. What's the difference? And we're not only going to do that, we're also going to talk with the, uh, cover the Coalition for a Canceled Priest, what they're saying about Father Frank Pavone. But before we get to any of that, let's get to the gospel of today, which is Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. And don't forget, everybody, the spirit, the conference we have, the 14th of January on evangelization. I'm, I'm almost sensing maybe people are so involved in scandals that they forgot that, hey, wait a minute, canon law, last canon says, what is the church's purpose? The salvation of souls. So evangelization, we've almost kind of forgot that we're supposed to be evangelizing, I think. So that's why we put this conference on the 14th. You can listen to it on the Internet or go see it by calling 877-526-2151. And Johnny Romero and myself will be doing the presentations. We have uh, confessions after the presentations and Holy Mass after that. All right, Gospel of Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you have conceived in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will have him the throne of David, his father. And he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And of the kingdom there will be no end. Okay? But Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. The angel departed from her. Great, great line here from the from the gospels and i think that we imitate mary well here 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 as we contemplate our lady who was enriched with the first instant of her conception with the splendor of the entirely unique holiness the virgin of nazareth is hailed by the heralds of angels by divine command as full of grace the life of god in us to be heavenly messenger she replied behold i am the handmaid of the lord be it done unto me according to thy word Thus, the daughter of Adam, yes, Mary, consenting to the word of God, became the mother of Jesus, committing herself wholly 
entirely to God's saving will and impeded by no sin. She devoted herself totally as a handmaid of the Lord to the person and the work of her son, under with which him serving the mystery of redemption. By the grace of Almighty God, rightly therefore, the fathers see Mary not merely as passively engaged by God, but as freely cooperating in the work of man's salvation through faith and obedience. You know where I got this from? Vatican II, folks. Says it right. All right. I'm not going to do Fulton Sheen today because what I'm going to do is start with an article that uh, it's a Catholic World Report. It's on our show page called Transparency, the Mystery of Venerable Fulton J. Sheen Postponed the Beatification. Three years ago, we were all ready for it. Well, this is the lesson the church has learned all too painfully, especially since the outbreak of the clergy sexual abuse. Here's what we say. Well, no, I should say in a recent interview in America Media, Pope Francis, in response to a question about transparency and clergy sexual abuse, remarked, if there's less transparency, it is a mistake. I think we can apply that to Fulton Sheen and to Father Frank Pavone. This is the lesson the church has learned all too painfully especially since the outbreak of the clergy sexual abuse in 2002 and the resurgence of the 2018. And the need for transparency emerges in a variety of other areas as well. They talk, but no talk is cheap. One of the particular significance of the cause of the beatification of Fulton Sheen, this beatification that was scheduled to be held over three years ago, which hasn't still happened, and cloaked in confusion, uh, there has been no effort to clarify exactly what happened to the cause of the beatification of this postponement. Indeed, some transparency is a mistake. It's despite a flurry of attempts from various church leaders and observers to explain the postponement at the time, more answers are needed now, three years later, because nothing's been done. They said they were going to do something, but you know what? Talk is cheap. The supply exceeds the demand. Aside from the rumors and conspiracy theories in late 2019, which naturally arose when there is an information vacuum, the only concrete explanation offered by an ecclesial authority came, are you ready, in a statement from the Diocese of Rochester, New York, that was the bishop there, which acknowledged a request on their part for a further examination of Sheen's records on the handling claims of abuse cases against Rochester priests during his brief tenure as the diocese bishop there. That report had already been done. Sorry, you can't, t you can't convince me that that was the case. I believe, again, that they didn't want Fulton Sheen beatified, the liberals, because of what he t taught. Now, this request seemed to arise from a concerns related to a statewide report expected from New York's attorney general, right? It never happened. Here's the thing, though. Wouldn't the miracle attributed to Fulton Sheen's intercession warrant and necessitate his beatification regardless of any behavior that may or may not be uncovered from Rochester or elsewhere? I mean, think of what they're covering up with St. John Paul II about him having those things done back in the 70s. Did that stop him from being a saint? No! It was proven that Sheen's life, life of, has had a life of heroic virtue as attested by Pope Benedict XVI's designation of Sheen as venerable back in 2012. And we know the miracle attributed to his intercession has been proven and is approved by Pope Francis in 2019. Now, when a miracle, when a miracle is approved, but a cause is effectively put on ice this way, consequently arise to even begin to call into question 
the entire beatification process. At the very least, wouldn't some answers be given to help avoid that? Yeah, you don't just put it on ice. That's what they did for three years. Well, I'm calling them out now. Precisely because these consequences, the delay of Sheen's beatification, is a cause for concern for the entire church, not for just us here at Virgin Most Powerful, not just for those who are devoted to Fulton Sheen. We must hear why the president precedent set by this decision is good for the faithful, good for the integrity of the canonization process, and good for the church. Speak up! Where's the transparency? Uh, you know, Fulton Sheen said it back in 73 when he said, call your bishops out, call your priests out to be good bishops, to be straightforward. Don't play games with us, folks. The church right now needs to be called to this transparency that Pope Francis talked about just last month. Some might point to the beatification postponement as evident that the canonization maintains its integrity. That is all well and good. But if that is the case, then why are decisions made so secretly? Why are the faithful who have been told Sheen was a man worthy of veneration for his life of holiness and virtue, of, uh, virtue why are we left in the dark as far as the current status of cause is concerned? Man, I was told by a Vatican diplomat, you'll never hear any more about Fulton Sheen's beatification until we have another Holy Father. Yeah, because it's put on ice. And what does that mean for the entire beatification and canonization process in general? If the Pope has said God acted through Sheen's intercession, how can we keep God's action arrested as it has been with the postponement of the beatification? I'll tell you how we can do it, because we're not, not actively working with the will of God. I'm convinced through all of this that Sheen needs to be beatified for Holy Mother of the Church, but there's men that are in the way of that. Meanwhile, rumors swirl on, but no answers have come from the Holy See or elsewhere, and bishops remain mum on the topic. And apparently the laity are expected to keep quiet. I'm not going to keep quiet, folks. The church is desperately in need of Fulton Sheen. Can you imagine how many people are going to be exposed to his writings, his recordings? Go to, go to our, our CatholicRC.org. we got lots of free Sheen material there for you. Yes, so as we enter into the fourth year waiting for answers, the status of Sheen's cause remains unclear. And the unfortunate absence of transparency from the church leaders on the situation leaves the laity an awkward situation, if not just a scandalous one. Again, the laity are left demanding answers to questions that matter, and yet, with all honesty, it is only the benefit of the integrity of the credibility of the church itself. It was Sheen himself who said it right now. People, you lay people, you're the eyes and ears of the church. You can save the church. That's why we're speaking out right here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. So I wanted to get that clear. Let's pray for Fulton Sheen to be beatified soon. And let's keep this up on top of the, the, the topics around here. We sure will. When we come back, what we're going to chat about uh, is the statement from the priest, the Cancel Priest Organization on Father Frank Pavone. They're proudly standing with Father. And why are they doing it? We'll see. Actually, Bishop Strickland is also standing with Right. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. Jess will be on in a few minutes. He's on his way back from the docks. And uh, I want to just say something about Father Frank Pavone's situation, because we're talking about the um, Coalition for Canceled Priests. We've had the, the president, Father John, on many times. And I just want to say that 
I remember for 25 years, there a group of nuns, they dressed like real estate agents, but they were nuns, and a bus, and they were traveling the country every election year promoting the unborn uh, killing of unborn babies by promoting the Democratic Party. And they were proud of it. And uh, for 20-some years, nothing, no bishop ever said anything about those nuns saying that you can't get into politics. And then we have a situation with Father Frank Pavone, who's been very active for the unborn, and he said, "Look, look at the look at the prof- look at the platforms of each pol- uh, com- each political party, and you know, let's embrace the pro-life one. Seems reasonable to me." Well, he did that, and then he got on some committees, and then by uh, 2020, he was asked by the, his bishop, "Hey, get off those committees. Stop being so active as a priest." On these political things, you you know, just don't, just, it's okay. He says, okay, I'll get off. I won't be on those p- platforms. But I'll continue to form people's lives morally on the election, which he did. And I appreciate that because I think it's a wimpy, a wimp out for not to say I'm going to tell people how to vote with a Catholic mindset by giving them principles. And I, I just kind of ask myself, what in the world are you thinking when you condemn a priest for telling people to vote with a Catholic mindset. I just don't get it. All right, before I get into this article, I forgot to give you some good news. Throughout the country, 4,000 babies are breathing today because they've been saved. Why? There's an abortion pill reversed since 2012. Can you imagine the 4,000 little 4-year-olds right now? No, 4-year-olds. Try 10-year-olds. Ten to, uh, and they're 10 and under that have lives because we've made the effort to try and save their life. Uh, that's incredible. One more thing I just wanted to bring up as a good-to-know file. 7% of the vaccinated Americans have su- suffered major side effects from COVID-19 jab. Okay, that's just uh, just the facts, folks, just the facts. All right, so I'm going to get into this article now. And again, Father Frank Pavone, uh, he, he has supposedly been uh, taking his priesthood away from him, from all the articles that people have said, but the challenge has been he's never received any notification in writing or even a phone call to say he's no longer a priest. I I uh, find that heartening and, and disheartening. And um, again, coming back to transparency, where is the transparency for Father Frank Pavone? And um, there's an old line that says, no saint has ever been, has never been uh, has always been persecuted from inside the church. So that should be reassuring for Father. And again, my position is that if he gets a written letter of, you know, from the Pope who said he can do this, the Pope can take you away, take your priesthood away with just complete power, it's an abuse of power, I agree. But if he writes it out and does it properly, then Father Frank's no longer a priest. I get that. But that hasn't happened. They haven't told him with a letter to him or even verbally telling him they're doing it through media. He finds out that, you know, news media says, you don't, you're not a priest anymore. That's, that's just not transparent. And that's why I, I go back to the Fulton Sheen article. But uh, the statement of the, uh, the uh, Coalition of Canceled Priests said, with a mission to save the lives of innocent, unborn human beings, in addition to overall mission of saving souls, through the effective apostolate, priest for life, Father Frank Pavone has been the target of many leftist prelates, that's true, which include his own bishop, true. He reiterates that his message is the most simple, basic of all. 
Here's his message. Don't kill babies. And now the coalition is saying, we agree. It's, you know, it has been clear for years, for over 21 years, actually, Father Pavone has been a canceled priest. But who, nevertheless, soldiers on in his priesthood to focus on ending abortion. He has been transparent about it over the decades, primarily through personal websites and social media. The guy actually tells you what he's doing every day. I mean, I don't do that. You don't know that I'm playing with my grandson in the afternoon with a barbecue. I don't tell you that. I'm not gonna. That's my personal life. But he's been so so transparent that I think he did that to show that I have nothing to hide. Now, Father Pavone has also been a witness to the canceling of all priests simply to what they stand and defend the most vulnerable. As a matter of fact, he quotes, and he said this yesterday in our interview, priests come to him and say, Father, we quote you, and our bishop gets upset that we're promoting this pro-life message, saying, calm it down, this isn't a big deal, Let's, you know, don't, don't, you know, don't get so involved. And, you know, I remember St. John Paul II, the Pope, back in the 80s, they said, Pope John Paul II, you're always talking about the killing of innocent babies and it needs to stop. Can't you lay off on that? And his response was, and it's the same response Father Frank said, I'll stop fighting against abortion when they stop killing the unborn babies. And I believe that is a solid statement. And that's what Father Frank is saying. That's what all the canceled priests are saying. And this is a challenge to our church to say, let's be honest about what we're really dealing with. We need to stand up. I mean, we know that uh, we've spent out spent $8 billion on money going to sexual abuse. So you know what? Where eyes are off the, the prize, which is Jesus Christ. Hey, I see Jess Romero back. Jess, I'm just starting to cover what um, the cancel priests, uh, Coalition of Canceled Priests are saying, and also they're quoting uh, Bishop Joseph Strickland in this article. Yes. And they're supporting him because they're saying, wait a minute, this is unjust. And I just, just to bring you up to date for those who just tuned in, we just covered the transparency of Fulton Sheen and how this was three years ago. He was supposed to be beatified, and the church said, we're going to investigate this New York situation, maybe take a year, and nothing. They, they put it on ice. And so we as lay people and this coalition of you know, Catholic canceled priests are saying, wait a minute, we're part of the church. we got to speak up. We, you know, I can't shut up when things aren't being done right. So, Jess, we're, we're talking on this article right now, so I'd like you to join in. I just covered the first page. We're on the second page. There's a quote from Strickland. Uh, also, Father James Altman. Yeah, Altman. So go ahead, Jess. Come on in. Yeah, Father James Altman, he's a canceled priest also. He points out the hypocrisy with these words. Mm -hmm. He says, once again, the papacy demonstrates its utter and complete hypocrisy. Boy rapers got a free pass for half a century while cover-up bishops paid out $8 billion. Unbelievable. Pro-abortion politicians remain in good standing despite half a century promoting the slaughter of innocents in the womb. Monsignor Grinder Burrell spends years whoring around with men but gets his parish back. Uh. The examples go on and on, but they lay aside the single best priest who fought against abortion. Uh. He says Bergoglio's papacy is a curse. This is what uh, Father James Altman says. It's his opinion. Yeah. The, uh, the Coalition for Catholic Priests team desires for this unjust action to help bring awareness to the link between the human sacrifice that is called abortion and the cancellation of priests. With shepherds, by and large, being silent on such a grave moral issue, 
It's no coincidence that the majority of Catholics across the world have either turned a blind eye or applauded the human sacrifice that happens in their backyard uh, day after day while supporting pro-abortion candidates. We firmly believe that until prelates of the church unify to end it, the practice of killing babies will be commonplace even in America where Roe versus Wade was overturned. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, their very own document, Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship, which serves as a U.S. bishop's teaching document on the political responsibility of American Catholics. By the way, Father Pavone's document is way better on voting. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but the, the USCCB's document states the following, quote, they got this right, quote, yeah. the threat of abortion remains in our, in our, it remains our preeminent priority because it directly attacks life itself because it takes place within the sanctuary of the family and because of the number of lives destroyed, close quote. Is it not a sad and tragic irony that the Vatican Vatican hierarchy and leftist U.S. prelates would outright cancel the most preeminent defender of the unborn in our global church today? Again, the attack on the priesthood from within the church is not a new phenomenon. It's a spiritual attack. Father John Lavelle, co-founder of uh, Coalition for Cancel Priests, puts this in perspective by saying, quote, may this be an opportunity to pray and fast, not only for Father Pavone, but for an end to the human sacrifice that is called abortion, close quote. Father Lavelle also reassures uh, those that support Coalition for Cancel Priests team. He says, quote, is ready to do what we can to support Father Pavone, but to support all priests who face persecution from our religious leaders for standing for truth, beauty, and orthodoxy, please consider joining the prayer campaign for Father Pavone and submitting a personal message to him and the prelates who canceled him. To show the, uh, the, the irony of all this, Jesse, is when we look at the pro-life issue in America, what brought the close of Roe versus Wade, lay people, and here's the kicker, a layman who wasn't even Catholic. He was the president of the United States yeah. picking Supreme Court justices who happened, many of them were Catholic. Uh, and, you know, he's not Catholic, but he made the decision to put these men and women in place so that when, uh, back in June, when this was turned over, uh, I give him more credit for standing up for life. I hate to say this, are you ready? Than the American bishops and priests of the United States. Well, this is this is why they yeah. hate him. The, the Roe versus Wade issue is why the left hates Donald Trump yep. with a vengeance. Yep. Terry, but what's going on in the church, it, it, back in 1979, there's a book called The Battle for the American Church. Monsignor Kelly. Yeah, Monsignor Kelly. He said this. He said, quote, the church goes where its leaders take it. Exactly. Okay? The church goes. Put it all the time. Uh, yeah. In other words, weak leadership breeds a weak church. Strong leadership breeds a strong church. Also, Judy Brown, another very... Oh, uh, she's one of my heroes. A, a great uh, heroes in the pro-life movement. Yep. Back in 2012, she wrote a book called <laughs> The Broken Path. It was about the U.S. bishops. Yes. And in that book, she says, she writes, How the Catholic bishops got lost in the weeds of American politics. And she's nice saying it that way. <laughs> yeah. Father Richard John Newhouse called the USCCB, uh, rest in peace, another stalwart of the pro-life movement. He calls... The USCCB, he says in an article he wrote on First Things, he says, they are the Democrat Party at prayer. Yeah, that's powerful. That's a powerful statement, Terry. And, uh, and, and you know, I'm, I'm looking at, at St. John Vianney's. Uh, he, he, had a, he has a quote about people that go after priests. Yeah. He said this, St. John Vianney, patron saint of parish priests. He says, 
When people wish to destroy religion, they begin by attacking the priest. Makes sense. Because where there is no longer any priest, there is no sacrifice. And where there is no longer any sacrifice, there's no religion. So notice, Terry, look at the two people attacking the, the, the priesthood. Yep. Obviously, Satan, through this the, the sin of homosexuality, there's a satanic attack against the priesthood. Right. And then we have our own church yep. attacking uh, the, the, the hierarchy of our church, attacking good priests, Terry. So yep. the, the attack is also from within. Yeah. Who, Bishop Sheen said, who's going to save the church? Not our bishops, not our priests or religious. It's up to us. He said, we have the minds and eyes and ears to save the church and calling our bishops and our priests to fidelity to Christ. And that includes the pro-life message, especially. Stay with us, family. When we come back, we're going to talk about canon lawyers regarding the Father Frank Pavone dismissal from the priesthood. Stay with us. Jesse, this article, I just want to preface something. Justice demands that any kind of order or command should be in writing. This has always been the case in the church, outside the church, in civil lands. If they're going to evict you out of your house because you didn't make payments, they send you a demand saying, if you don't do this, this will happen. From what I can see with Father Frank Pavone's case, he's never received even a phone call or a written piece of paper that says, this is what you're being accused of. You have con- let's have a dialogue. Let's you know defend yourself. Nothing's been done. So let's get into what canon law has to say about Father Frank Pavone. Yes, uh, I, I think I, Terry. I think he's in. Uh, he, he's on solid ground. In other words, what we're what, yeah. what we're trying to say here, yeah. what they're doing to him, uh, it, it seems like they bypassed all the channels, the protocol of justice. It's called justice, Jesse. Yeah, and it's and. What happened is uh, we just have basically tyranny. They're yeah. just saying, you know, uh, I have authority over you. So guess what? You're fired. And uh, we're not going to you're not going to go through uh, a, 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 process. You know, a pr- the process of, 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 of a canonical trial. You're fired. So uh, Father Pavone is 63 years old. Yep. He's a longtime national director of the pro-life organization Priest for Life, who's well known for his pro-life activism. And his politically charged social media posts, which I love, <laughs> and his public support for former President Donald Trump, the yep. most pro-life president we've ever had. Yep. On November 9th, Cardinal Lazaro, you hung sick, prefect for the Vatican's dicastery for the clergy, dismissed Father Frank Pavone from the priesthood for blasphemous communications on social media and persistent disobedience of lawful instructions of his... Let me just stop here and say, with no evidence of any of that, just accusations. Continue, please. (laughs) The decree shared with the U.S. US bishops in a letter dated December 13th, written by the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States, or Archbishop Christophe Pierre, precludes any possibility of appeal. Pavone is a longtime national director of the pro-life organization Priest for Life, who is well known for his pro-life activism, uh, 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 well, that's a repeat of what I just said. It is. Uh, Pavone's sudden laicization has shocked many Catholics and pro-life advocates. It also raises a host of still unanswered questions about his case. Among them, what are the specific canonical crimes which with, which with Father Pavone was, was charged? And when and how was he notified? Is he no longer a priest? Father Pavone, for his part, claims he had no prior notification about the Vatican's action until contacted by Catholic news agency. 
on December, 7, December 17th. <laughs> this is, is sounds so hard to believe. To better understand the church laws and ju- juridical processes yep. or judicial processes yep. involving cases such as this, Catholic news agencies sought the expertise of Father Gerald Murray, a canon lawyer and pastor of Holy Family Church in New York City, who is a regular contributor to the EWTN's World Over with Raymond Arroyo. Uh, by the way, a show that's worth watching. On Every YouTube. week I watch it. Yeah. So what is it? The, the, this is the canonical questions asked of Father Murray. What is the typical process for these types of accusations? Father Murray says, Ordinarily, it is the responsibility of the bishop of the diocese in which the accused priest is incarnated to investigate accusations of blasphemous communications on social media and persistent disobedience of lawful instructions of his diocesan bishop which are the two reasons given for Father Pavone's dismissal from the clerical state in a communication sent to the bishops of the United States by Archbishop Pierre. The diocesan bishop, if he finds that a priest is guilty of such offenses, would then refer the matter to the Holy See if he judged that the penalty of removal for the clerical state was the appropriate punishment. The diocesan bishop cannot on his own authority dismiss a priest of his diocese from the clerical state. Furthermore, the Code of Canon Law does not state that the possible penalties for these two offenses include dismissal from the clerical state. In other words, they, they, they over-prosecuted yeah, him. That's right. Uh, yeah, the punishment doesn't, fe- doesn't meet the crime. Nope. Canon 1368 states that a person who utters blasphemy is to be punished with a just penalty. Canon 1371 states that a person who does not obey the lawful command of his ordinary and after being warned, persistent disobedience is to be punished according to the gravity of the case with a censure or deprivation of office or with other penalties mentioned in Canon 1336 4 Canon 1336.5, which is not included in the scope of punishments for a violation of Canon 1371, mentions dismissal from the clerical state. Thus, imposing dismissal from the clerical state for these offenses would require what happened in this case, that is, the issuance of what Archbishop Christophe Pierre, the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States, identified as a supreme decision admitting of no possibility of appeal. Only the Pope, who enjoys full and supreme power in the Church, Canon 1332.1, can issue such a decision against where there is no possible appeal. Terry, next question. Well, when is the defendant uh, normally informed? Okay, when is the defendant normally informed? Ordinarily, now this is important, the priest who has received such a penalty is informed in a timely fashion. It would be interesting to know if Father Frank Pavone received a copy of the decree in which the supreme decision was handed down and to see if the decree further specified the grounds upon which a decision was reached, and that he was guilty of blasphemy and disobedience. Father Pavone has been quoted as saying that he only learned of the decision when the archbishop wrote was dated November 9th and when CNA contacted him, so the news media, on December 17th. Before we go to the next question, I just want to add something. I have another bishop who was my ordinary here in California, Bishop Zavala, and uh, he was living a double life, okay? For a, for a long time. For a long time. And they finally caught him, and the uh, they took him out as the bishop. And canon law says he can never uh, 
be laicized to get married. Okay, that was one thing. When a bishop does these things, they never can be laicized. Well, what did Pope Francis do? Oh, come on. So he, he said, go ahead and get married to that girl you had those babies with. Go ahead. And uh, he made an exception out of just out of mercy. But what I'm asking here is with pa- Father Frank Pavone, it seems like... Well, he was it, also fa- Cardinal Mahoney's candle lawyer. That's yes, why. but it seems like <laughs> there's, there's no justice here with Father Frank. There's no consistency because he's on another side that is, you know, like I said, protecting unborn babies. And I just want to say that, that, that this question and answer with Father, Mur- Father um, fa- uh, the canon lawyer, Father, what's his last name? Father Gerald Murray. Uh, Jerry Murray, Gerald who's Murray. a friend of us, ours, who's been at my home, actually. Great guy. Uh, it, it just seems an injustice to Father Frank, depending on what side you fall on. So let's go to the next one, Jesse. Yeah, Terry, I agree. I, you know, just when you, re- when you see the accusations, Injustice. this is completely disproportionate to his punishment, yeah. and there's an apparent double standard, uh, and it's sickening because, again, if you're a friend of Pope Francis and you're involved in actual sex crime yeah. and having uh, cocaine parties and uh, and, and hiding guess. money oh, well, and making okay. bad investments. Right. Guess what, Come Terry? On back you know? and I'll put you in charge of some de- uh, decastery. <laughs> Go ahead. I had to say. <laughs> Next question is asked: What happens if the laicized priest persists in celebrating the sacraments, especially mass? A laicized priest is forbidden to celebrate the sacraments, with the exception of hearing confessions and absolving a sinner in danger of death. Canon nine seven six. And other sac- any other sacramental celebration is unlawful and thus an act of disobedience. Next question. Terry. How unusual is Pavone's case? I am unaware of a case of a pre. I am aware of a case in priest in France who was dismissed from the clerical state in recent past, in part because of disobedience to his bishop. What could constitute blasphemy on social media? Has this type of charge ever been noted before? Jesse, read that because we got just a couple. The Modern minutes. Catholic Dictionary by Jesuit Father John Hardman, servant of God, defines blasphemy as quote. Speaking against God in a contemptuous, scornful, or abusive manner. Mm-hmm. Serious contemptuous ridicule of the saints, sacred objects, or of persons consecrated to God is also blasphemous because God is indirectly attacked. It would have been helpful if the incidents in which such blasphemy was committed were identified, along with the evidence that Father Pavone refused to retract such blasphemies when informed that he was being prosecuted for these canonical crimes. I have not heard of another recent case of dismissal from the clerical state because of blasphemy. Yeah, no. Yeah. Show me the goods, though, Jesse. Where? It, what did he say? See, this is what I keep saying. Are we? Are we crazy? Are we asking for something unusual? We're just asking. Point out where Father Frank was in error, and what did he say on the internet? Was it you know? Be more specific because you're just making general accusations. You sound like a raging liberal. Yeah. Well, sorry, I think I think they're saying that there was a tweet that he said, and or it's, maybe it's on YouTube or it's already it's where he said that the Democrat GD the Democrats Party. Okay. And he probably said it. Okay. I let's mean, say he said I, it. I, I'm just not taking it for granted. Yeah. Does he yeah. does he go to confession like you and I? Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Who? Uh, all have Who's sinned, and fall, uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans three twenty three. Yeah. Uh, Psalm one thirty says, uh, "If God would hold all our sins accountable, who would be saved?" I mean, uh, uh, has Pope Francis ever said a bad word? Has his bishop? Uh, from, I've heard uh, it many times. Yeah, of course has, he has. <laughs> the bishop from uh, New, uh, uh, Texas, uh, from that diocese where he's from, has he said a bad word? The bishop of New York. Yeah. Are you kidding me, Terry? Yeah, but Jesse, or, or, let, let me throw something in because we got a minute. The head of the Pontifical Academy for Life, you know, sues this Catholic news site for reporting alleged 
alleged financial corruption. He, he, this is a guy, Archbishop Poliglia, reported losing a half a million euros of charitable funds for his personal apartment because he wanted to renovate it. And you know what he gets? He gets bumped up and said, oh, yeah, congratulations. You see the injustice we have? But nobody ever said it was going to be fair in this world, Jess. No, not at all. And this is what we're experiencing is our Catholic January 6th moment. Just like Trump was attacked and falsely accused, Father Pavone is being attacked and falsely accused as well. The last part of the article says, as noted above, blasphemy and disobedience are not punishable in the Code of Canon Law <laughs> by dismissal. I know, the really? State. I'm surprised. Yeah. Give me a break. Thus, priests who are found guilty of committing such acts, presumably, just send them a confession, do not expect to receive such a punishment. When they're first accused of such canonical offenses, there will likely be a dispute as to whether their acts, in fact, constitute blasphemy or disobedience. Since the Holy See has chosen to impose this punishment that goes beyond what is foreseen in the Code of Canon Law, it would have been incumbent upon the diocesan bishop and the Holy See to warn Father Pavone that if found guilty, he would face such a punishment that went beyond the provisions of the code. But guess what? They didn't do any of that, Terry. Common sense ain't that common, is it? Hey, when we come back, praise God. And don't forget, we have an evangelization conference. All this baloney, all this scandal <laughs> is one of the big obstacles in evangelization. Look, sure Check is. us out. Go to our website on the 14th of January. Johnny Romero and myself. Up next... 101 Adventure, Let the Two Purple. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Before we get back, Jesse, we're going to cover the difference between Advent and Lent. I wanted to quote our Bishop Strickland, because as of right now, still, there's only one bishop in America that has publicly supported Father Frank Pavone. And here's what he said again. The blasphemy is that this holy priest is canceled while an evil president promotes the denial of truth, the murder of the unborn at every turn. Vatican officials promote immorality. Well, that's a, that's a statement by a bishop. <laughs> denial of the deposit of faith. Bishop Strickland, why don't you really tell me what you think? And priests promote gender confusion, devastating lives it's evil so basically he's saying the same thing we're saying but jesse the difference is he's a shepherd of the church okay where are all the other shepherds now that's all i want to say terry uh pope pius the 11th said in a private audience it's about bishops look what he's look what this pope said about bishops pope pius the the 11th in a private audience said the Mm -hmm. following quote the church's worst persecutors have been her own unfaithful bishop. That's right. There it is. Said it I'm all. I'm read it again. Pope Pius XI, in a private audience, I'm reading from an article on thecatholicthing.org. Yeah. He says, the church's worst persecutors have been her own unfaithful bishops. And he says, opposition from the outside is terrible. It gives us many martyrs. But the church's worst enemy is her own traitors, close quote, Pope Pius XI. If that doesn't describe Father Pavone's situation, Nothing. I don't know what does. Well, so let's get into our, our spirituality here for today, Jess. Yes. The differences uh, between Advent and Lent. On the surface, Advent and Lent are liturgical seasons expressed by the color violet, mm-hmm. which prepare for a major feast. It's common to hear one explanation of the difference, that only Lent, and not Advent, is a penitential season. Although Advent clearly arose as a kind of pre-Christmas Lent, beginning at one point after St. Martin's Feast Day in mid-November. 
It is true that canon law does not list Advent as a penitential period, although recovery, although recovery, it's, it's recovering its distinct form of penitence could go a long way to unlocking the spiritual power of the celebration of Christmas. The penance of Lent is found in denial, following Jesus into the desert. It does not focus primarily on the coming resurrection, but keeps its focus on the cross, doing penance and dying to self. In Advent, the attention is not turned away from the nativity, but actually focuses on it, even if the crush is empty, in anticipation. Advent is a time of waiting. It entails penance, because the object of expectation is not present yet, and there's a longing for it that prepares the way like John the Baptist. We turn away from other desires and focus our attention on the coming of Jesus Christ. Yep, Advent endures hardship like a pregnant woman who already anticipates the joy of the coming birth. We wait for the shoot to blossom. Lent endures hardships, not simply uh, looking forward to a coming, as it also looks back to past sins and wants to atone for this wrong. The cross must come before the resurrection, and in the focus of Lenten meditations and penance, there must be a pruning of the plant so that it can flower again. Advent keeps the goal of Christmas in mind and follows the steps of preparation. There are three ways of preparation laid out by the church in Advent. The expectation of Israel, narrated by the prophet Isaiah. Number two, the immediate preparation of John the Baptist that prepares a smooth road in the heart to receive the Messiah. Number three, we also follow the steps of Mary and Joseph from the Annunciation to the Visitation and finally to Bethlehem. The Maronite Church arranges its season of Advent as a kind of pilgrimage, which it calls a season of the glorious birth of our Lord or also the season of announcements. Over six Sundays, it follows the coming of Jesus through the angel's announcement to Zechariah, the announcement to Mary, Mary's visitation to Elizabeth, the birth of John the Baptist, the angel's revelation to Joseph, and the genealogy of Jesus Christ. It's a powerful liturgical arrangement that shows the kind of preparation we need to receive the coming dawn of Jesus' birth. Prophesied by Zechariah, saying yes to God's plan like Mary at the Annunciation, and showing obedience even when God's plan is beyond us like St. Joseph. Although Advent is distinct from Lent with its own penitence, we would also learn more from our approach to Lent. Advent too needs to be taken seriously with its own form of penance. We need to show the kind of expectation processed or possessed by Israel, the opening of a way for the Messiah like John the Baptist, and we must follow God's plan like the Holy Family. Terry, comments? Well, Jesse, you know me with funerals. I got. I'm, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I ran out again on you. I got a lot of comments. Yeah, just uh, go ahead, keep going because this is really important. People ask the question that you know, what, Advent and and, um, and Lent. What's the differences? So this is good. Keep going, brother. Yeah. Remember, as Catholics, there are two Advents for us. The first Advent is Christmas Day. Advent means presence. That's what Advent means. It means presence. So we have the Advent of our Lord Jesus Christ, the baby in Bethlehem, and then we have the Advent also at the second coming of Christ. Amen. And 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 this is what we're waiting for at this because the first Advent has already come. We're going to celebrate it in a few days. Yep. 
And and by the way, Advent is the Catholic Church's New Year's. So this is the start of our liturgical calendar. In the in the in in the in the new rite, the there are uh, five liturgical seasons. It's a simple way to remember them is think about the word acol, a c o l e, acol. That's acronym. Acol. It's Advent, see Christmas, oh ordinary time, Lent, mm-hmm. Easter. Just think of acol. That acronym will help you understand the church's. Liturgical cycle. It's the start of our liturgical calendar. And by the way, a lot of people say, what does liturgy mean? In its original meaning, the Catechism says in 1067, it means a public work. That's what it means. A public work or service done in the name or in behalf of the people. So through the liturgy, Christ our high priest continues the work of redemption through the church's celebration of the Paschal mystery. What that is what? Holy Mass, by which he accomplished our salvation. And there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about the second coming of Christ. It's not just in the book of Revelation. It's in the Gospels. Like, for example, Mark 13, 33. Take heed, watch, mm. for you do not know when the time will come. Uh, I mean, there's dozens and dozens of verse that predict and prophesy the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so as Catholics, this is exciting for us. I think my favorite verse, Terry, on yeah. Advent. Yeah, what is it, Jess? My favorite Advent verse would be uh, the book of Revelation chapter 19, starting for verse 11. Check out this Advent verse. This is Christ coming back in power and glory with an army of angels at his side. <laughs> Look what it says. This one here, this is, this is 300 this would make the this would make the movie 300 look like look like tiddlywings mm-hmm. look like look like a bunch of kindergarten kids okay revelation 19:11 second coming then i saw heaven opened and behold the white horse he that's jesus who sat upon that is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war oh what what jesus is going to come back to make peace no makes war <laughs> i love it his eyes are like a flame of fire and on his heads are many diadems. Those are precious stones. And he has a name inscribed which no one knows but himself. He is clad in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he's called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven. Notice those are saints and angels. Yep. The armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, followed him on white horses. From his mouth issues a sharp sword with which to smite the nations. What nations? The unbelieving nations, communism, Islamic nations that, that refuse to bend their knee and call Messiah. It says, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has a name inscribed, King of Kings yes. and Lord of Lords. And guess what? The first advent of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's history. The second advent of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's him coming in majesty. But guess what? This morning, Jesus Christ came to the altar of the church I went to in the mystery of the Eucharist. So Christ comes to us as Catholics three times. Once at Christmas, that's in history. In the future, that'll be in majesty, the second coming. But he comes to us daily in mystery, in the veiled in the Holy Eucharist. Why don't you really tell me what you think? I love that quote from Rebecca <laughs> Revelation. Can I give a recommendation? Not only read, you're going to be reading the nativity scene, but you know what I think as a gift to give to the baby Jesus? This is something we did last week at our parish. 
ask everybody to read the Gospel of Matthew. Mm. Now, it's more than just the Advent. Of it. It's the life, death, and resurrection, everything about yeah, Christ. Everything, but, yeah. but what we're doing is we're saying, Gee, baby Jesus, I'm meditating on you, the incarnation, God becoming man, but I want to be so enveloped in your word that mm. I'm going to read the entire, it makes 25, 30 minutes, but read it slowly. Yeah. And I guarantee you, you'll get fruit from that gospel. It's a, oh. it's a beautiful gospel. I, as most people say, why don't you read Mark? It's shorter. I'll tell you why. Because the Gospel of Matthew <laughs> is very descriptive, and I think it really does a good job showing the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And I think that's a great gift to the, that you could give to baby Jesus. Amen. And Terry, I think the last thing that I would mention is Tell that uh, as Catholics, remember— what a what a gift! Go to mass as often as possible. That's our Christmas. That's our Christmas gift every single day. Amen. Because in the sacred liturgy, the event of Calvary is made present, and and history uh, becomes liturgy. Yeah. And this is why we call in the West we call what we do the sacred liturgy. Yeah. In the East they call it the divine liturgy. Why? Because what happens in that altar, Christ becomes present, and this is why as Catholics. Uh, we really have an, a daily advent. We are blessed. And there's no religion in the world like ours where God comes into our church every single day and right. dwells with us. There is no religion in the world that has what the Catholic Church is, is able to give the world. And I want to just remind people, we have a, a evangelization conference coming up January 14th. Johnny Romero, Jesse's brother, and myself will be there. This is the time to evangelize. Let's stop... You know, putting our head down, you know. No, stand up. We've got the truth. Yes, Romero, what state should we be living in, brother? Last time I checked, Terry, we live in a state of grace and don't live in a state of mortal sin. Be holy or die trying. Love God, save souls, slay error. Amen. And remember, report for duty to the Lord Jesus Christ and our Lord and our Lady every day. Remember, life is short. Eternity is forever. Remember our, also that Our Lady of Fatima said, souls are going to hell. Because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Are we praying for our leaders in our church? It's not enough to just complain. It's enough. Yeah. We really need to be making reparation for these sacrileges that are going on in our church. Because we want them to get to heaven. And your prayers and your sacrifices will affect their souls for the salvation of all souls. So stay with us. And again, uh, the Bishop Strickland Hour will be joining us right after this short break. You'll hear a bishop. Uh, I call him the American Bishop. Yeah. Stay with us. <laughs> 